the request of the South Carolina Emergency Management Agency. This is in northern Greenville County. Look at this. Anywhere from marble to quarter size to a larger than golf ball size hail has been reported with. We'll get ready for major changes underway right now. Here's kind of your bottom line in the upstate. Mostly rain Saturday, a wintry mix on Sunday. Welcome to the Weatherdaz Podcast Hour, your best resource for weather information today. And now on to Chris. Hey everyone, it's Chris with the Weather Guys, and this is the Weather Guys Podcast Hour, episode number 14. I would like to apologize for not having a podcast since February 25th. Things have been pretty chaotic around here with severe weather season just, you know, really ramping up, and it's been chaotic. Lots of nighttime storms. Uh, The tornado count is still increasing from several storms that has moved through and it's just I haven't had a chance to get back to this I've been more focused on the Facebook and Twitter and and Instagram we have an Instagram now by the way tonight we interviewed my closest friend Chris Rushing with the Southeastern Storm Chasers he has taught me a lot about severe weather he has taught me so many things when it comes to paying attention to radar and and just looking at models and I've learned a lot from this man and I'm proud to say that he has saved my life many times while storm chasing. This episode tonight is going to be about storm chasing, storm spotting, and what to look for when you're outside, you know, when it's severe weather, when there's a thunderstorm, and how to spot a tornado and how to see uh, things that are coming your direction that are very, very much life endangering. Thank you to... uh, Chris Rushing and the Southeastern Storm Chasers for all the information that he provided this evening. So without further ado, let me introduce you to one of my closest friends, Chris Rushing with the Southeastern Storm Chasers. It's uh, Chris with the Weather Guys, and this is the Weather Guys Podcast Hour, episode number 14. This evening, uh, we are interviewing um, one of a good friend of mine and a fellow storm chaser. His name is Chris Rushing, a part of the Southeastern Storm Chasers. And uh, say hello, man. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? So uh, tell tell everybody uh, just a little bit about yourself. Uh, you can... Tell us some personal things, you know, if you're married, got kids, um, or, you know, storm chasing and things like that. Just give us some kind of, you know, some background on you. Okay, man. Uh, as you said, uh, uh, my name's Chris Rushing. I am the uh, founder and lead chaser for the Southeastern Storm Chasers. I'm a, a Army veteran of the Iraq War. Served uh, eight years as a combat, in, uh, combat engineer. Did four years combat engineer. Uh, And in the last four years, I was a military intelligence, you know, ever since uh, I was a kid and I saw the tornado scene in the Wizard of Oz, I've been hooked to severe weather uh, and just been addicted to it and just fascinated by it. Um, Every time a storm would come up in the spring and summertime as a kid, I was out there watching the skies and seeing what I could see. And then, of course, as I got a little older, uh, the movie Twister came out and I just you know, added fuel to the fire. And, you know, so that's, you know, really what got me started, um, you know, junior high, high school, any book, magazine, 
anything that I could get my hands on that could teach me about severe weather, thunderstorms, tornadoes, you know, hurricanes. I mean, my hands were on it and I was reading it. So that's pretty much how I got started um, in, in severe weather and storm chasing. You know, uh, we're based out of uh, Gaston County, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, you know I'm, I'm married to my, my best friend, Tracy. Uh, and she's been helping me do this for a while, uh, for a good long time now with the storm chasing and spotting and uh, navigating and doing the photography for me. Um, so, uh, that's, that's pretty much, pretty much it for me. I mean, that's, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Well, that's exciting, man. It's, uh, you know, um, I, I enjoy being able to talk to one of my closest friends about this because, uh, uh, the rest of the world needs to, uh, hear what craziness that you and I get into occasionally from time to time. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's definitely the case. Yeah. Um, what, what's interesting around here for the, uh, the followers and the listeners is that, uh, when you live in the Southeast, uh, United States, it's, it's really difficult storm chase. Um, meaning, uh, topography and the you know, trees and just not a lot of flat areas to be able to see the storm coming. And, uh, that can be extremely, extremely dangerous regardless if it's daytime or nighttime and nighttime of course is a no, no, but, um, everyone, you know, around here is, uh, is usually shielded by the mountains and, um, the severe weather around here is typically not as great as it is out in the, you know, the Midwest in the tornado alley area. But, uh, um, Chris, touch base a little bit on um, how long you've been doing uh, storm chasing and uh, some some crazy things you've seen. Well, like I said, I've, I've been in, in, in just fascinated by it ever since I was a kid. Um, never really got the chance to do the uh, storm chasing so much coming up. Like I said, I went into the military. When I came out of the military, I got involved with law enforcement and the volunteer fire department in my hometown and was focusing on my training with that EMT, you know, paramedic work and just really just trying to hone my skills with that. And, uh, around 2014 or maybe in 2013, my wife was talking to me and she's like, Hey, you know, um, if this is something that you've always been interested in doing, won't you do it? I said, well, you know, I'm a little too old to go to school to be a meteorologist. On top of that, I really don't have the money. She said, well, you know, research it. Maybe there may be something out there that you can do, a class or something you can take. So I began researching it, and that's when I discovered that the National Weather Service has uh, what they call the Sky Warn Spotter uh, class and uh, program. And what that is is basically it's just uh, volunteers, kind of like a volunteer fire department. It's volunteers that they, uh, they put them through training and teach them about weather and about uh, the different types of weather, how they form, uh, teach them about the weather's in our area, uh, teach them a little bit about radar, how to recognize things on radar, how to do reporting when calling in reports, you know, just gives you the basics. Uh, and of course, there's an advanced class that you can take. And so I went th- through that on a uh, on, on online program called um, Comet Ed. And then I found out they was having the class up in Hickory, North Carolina. And that's when me and my wife went to that class. I mean, we'd already did all the stuff um, online uh, and got our certification, already got our paperwork process through the National Weather Service. And then we went and decided, well, you know, we've heard that you get a little bit more out of the in-class portion. So we went ahead and did that, even though we were already certified spotters. 
and so we went we, we went and did that and that's actually when i met you and um you know we've been you know hard at it ever since um i'm just you know like i said studying it putting my hands on every book publication online reading things looking at things constantly trying to learn more about thermodynamics and summer weather and how to read radar and just just trying to get better and better at my craft as a skywarn spotter and a storm chaser that is excellent man and um yeah i agree that's exactly where we met back in hickory north carolina um at that that class and uh the rest has become history for us um after that um uh, for the followers and listeners uh, chris and i have actually become pretty decent good friends we talk on a regular basis we're about an hour and a half away from each other living wise so we don't get a chance to hang out as often as we'd like to but it, every time a storm calls we're we're trying to hang out and get together and uh, storm chase together and get all of you guys the information that you need to be safe and to, you know to be weather aware obviously and and you know try to get some awesome pictures and some cool videos of storms that come into our area because here in the last uh, month uh, since severe weather season has started for our area in the southeastern United States um, it's been pretty brutal it's um it's been a whole different realm of uh, severe weather that we've not really ever experienced around here. Just uh, right after Easter, we had uh, three supercell storms that were lined up back to back that moved across um, our area. And uh, luckily, as of right now, only one tornado was um, produced from that. And the problem with these storms that's come in here on this this uh, storm season so far has been uh, nighttime. Uh, you know, nighttime bad weather is is a bad idea it's just it sucks for all of us and uh you know it, like like i said it's just not wise to be storm chasing out nighttime because you can't see anything that's coming yeah you might have a radar in front of you it tells you to go this way and go that way but i rely on my eyes a little bit more than i do a radar what about you chris yeah i, I agree a hundred percent on that um you know that's always been uh, the biggest pet peeve for me in the southeastern storm chasers is that we do not chase at night. I know there's a lot of guys out west, Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas, that do. And, hey, to each his own. But for me and my team, we're going to be safe. And uh, we don't chase at night simply because, like you said, we just, you, you can't see it coming. I mean, you can look it on the radar. You can get an idea, you know, about where, you know, a, a tornado is located if there's one forming. But I rely on my eyes, you know, looking at the sky. And if I can't see anything because of the darkness, or as the old saying goes, you can't see the forest for the trees, then I don't feel comfortable. Um, i give you an example. We were chasing... Matter of fact, we were chasing down in Lowry and McConnell's one night, uh, one evening, uh, afternoon into the evening. Had, had a uh, pretty good, interesting day that day. Um, it wasn't, it was about almost kind of like the one me and you just went through. And uh, we had some funnel clouds form. Nothing touched down, but we did have some funnel clouds that we were watching. Uh, a lot of hail, a lot of lightning. Just a, just a good chase day. Started getting dark, so we shot. We took a side road that was taking us back up to North Carolina. And uh, there was still a little bit of daylight left. And we saw a cell forming near Kings Mountain, uh, North Carolina. And I said, well, let's just, I said, that's on, that's kind of like, you know, the, you know, a little bit longer way home. I said, but let's just head that way on the way home and see 
if we could see anything forming or happening while we head back home. So we did, and then, you know, it's still a little bit light out. We can still see pretty good. And we're heading down this road near the King's Mountain Battleground, heading back home, and we're watching this system, and we're watching it on the, the radar. And just within a matter of minutes, it went from being light out to where you could still see a little bit to being pitch black. And the sky was getting blacker and blacker, and we was going down this long straightaway road, and there were these tall, if you're not from this area, and Chris, you know what I'm talking about, the really tall, skinny pine trees that just has the needles at the top. And they were just hundreds of them on, this, on, on the, each side of the road. And so we're going down through there, and I'm looking, and I can't see the sky for nothing because of the trees, and plus it's pitch black. We happened to cut crest the hill and uh, we saw a little bit of light, and you can see those clouds starting to dip down. And I looked at my wife, and I said, this ain't good. We got to get off this road. And all of a sudden, the wind picked up, and the trees were going left and right, back and forwards. At one point, I thought this one tree that was ahead of us was going to break because it was bending so much. And so we get past there. We finally make it back to the main road and shoot you know, off towards King's Mountain and get off that road. And uh, I look at my wife and I said, I said, after today, I said, once the sun starts to set, I said, we're done. I said, we're not going through that again. I said, that was very dangerous. And she agreed. Um, And so, you know, in, in that moment, I realized that if a tornado was coming or forming, I would have never seen it until it was too late. So I learned a very, very valuable lesson that when the the light starts to disappear and you start to lose the daylight you you end the chase you cut it and you head home don't try to chance it like i did yeah man absolutely uh i completely agree um i've had a uh i hadn't had a a similar situation but um i I had a uh a a situation where i was by myself which uh, that's another thing uh, that's another conversation for another day, but typically it's not even, it's not wise to chase alone, uh, just because, uh, it's always best yeah. to have a second set of eyes. Absolutely. And, uh, I was, uh, it was a daytime situation. It was like three in the afternoon and, um, it was a, uh, actual confirmed, uh, EF2 tornado that went through, uh, Spartanburg County here in South Carolina. Um, and, uh, I was chasing it. I was by myself. And um, after looking at all the radar and after the storm was done, I come to realize that I was only about five to 10 miles away from where it touched down at the time of chasing it. So I was behind it and it was in front of me. So that's a that's a good thing. Um, but it was rain wrapped. So I would have never seen it. And um, it was a very, 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 very intense, scary moment for me. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one thing about the southeast that I've noticed that's one of the biggest difference compared to say the central plains of Oklahoma, Texas is a good majority of our tornadoes usually end up rain wrapped and you don't see them. Um, it's not like out in Texas or Oklahoma where you're out in the field and you can see this thing forming and there's no rain and it's clear and it's pretty and it's just perfect conditions. And it's not like that at all. If you talk to someone like Reed Tamer, he will tell you that 
down in the Carolinas, Alabama, Mississippi, they call us the jungle because of all the trees. And, and they'll tell you about how difficult it is to follow these storms because they are so rain-wrapped. And you brought up a good point about being behind the storm. That's something that, I, I that's, for me, I always like to be behind the storm or somewhat parallel to the storm uh, because, it, you know, in a tornado situation, southwest, northeast, I want to be behind it or somewhat parallel behind it. I never want to be in front of it. Um, and I want to have a good distance between me and that system or that tornado. Because if, if you know, God forbid, the unthinkable happens like it did in El Reno and it changes and goes south first before it goes north, I want to have a good distance between me and it that I can get to safety. Yeah, that's uh, that's another good point you brought up there, um, that uh, safety, uh, you know, we're out there trying to help keep you guys safe and weather aware because uh, being on the ground, being storm spotters and uh, being storm chasers, that's that's the primary purpose of, of doing that. You know, obviously for the um, the rush and the adrenaline, yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely one of the bigger reasons as well. But you know, the main reason we're there is to to say, okay, we we just storm spotted hail, we just storm spotted um, flooding in the road, we just storm spotted a tornado or a funnel cloud, et cetera, et cetera, and then we report that to the National Weather Service. National Weather Service puts that out for you guys to see just as well. You know, this day and age, we have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. And those help just as much. And, you know, we're that's what we're out there for, to let you guys know wherever we are and, you know, what we're doing, the location, what we're seeing, and uh, that it would be heading in your direction, you know, in X amount of minutes. And uh, that's that's the primary purpose for storm, storm spotting and storm chasing. Um, but uh, we also have to keep ourselves safe because we're putting ourselves in extreme danger by going towards a monster of a storm. Um, yeah. And what you have to do is you have to build your knowledge and and your skill base to even feel comfortable to do that and like i said before it's always wise to have a partner with you you know they they teach you in spotter class and and it's something that i think each spotter or chaser really needs to um, to remember and that's the the word aces and pretty much it just stands for awareness communications, have an escape route, and then S is have a place for shelter. <clears throat> you always want to have that in the back of your mind when you're when you're out. And, and I know someone, you know, we've, we've used the term spotter, chaser, kind of interchangeably. Um, spotters more than less, um, most spotters, not all, but most spotters that take the class and go through the class, they don't chase they mainly are at home or they're at work or they're on their way home from work or on their way to work or on their way to church or whatever. And in the process of doing those activities, if they see something, they call it in. Whereas chasers, we are actively looking at the storm and going after the storm. A spotter, most spotters don't do that. That's, that's more chasers, hence the name storm chasers. Uh, so, you know, just to clarify that for people who are probably wondering, you know, well, what's the difference? Uh, spotters are more stationary where chasers are more mobile. And with that, let's take a short break.
the Southeast of Storm Chasers, is that all you do with Storm Chase? Or do you do other things? Um, do you just chase severe weather? Do you um, chase snow when it's snowing? Do you go after hurricanes if you have the time and you know the money to get there? Tell us more about what uh, the Storm Chasers, the Southeastern Storm Chasers are. Well, Chris, you know, basically we are that. We are Storm Chasers uh, first and foremost. Uh, during severe weather season, uh, which is in the first of the year into, and going into summer, uh, we're, we're constantly uh, monitoring for severe weather, severe thunderstorms, uh, tornado warnings, things like that. But, you know, what comes along with that, there's microbursts and macrobursts and things like that that we're looking at and then when they happen we go out and survey it take pictures we send stuff back to the national weather service flooding flash flooding we we monitor things like that when uh we know there's got a we got a system coming in that's got heavy rain we go and monitor the local rivers uh, and streams in our area to make to check for flooding uh, when they start getting you know it you know, dangerous levels where they're going to start cresting and flooding areas. We take pictures, send that into the National Weather Service, let them know what's going on so they can get warnings out if they're not already out. And of course, like you said, if we can, if we you know get down to the coast for uh, hurricanes to, to monitor those situations, then yeah, we, we do go after hurricanes and chase hurricanes and spot those uh, in the areas if we can, if the, if the financial area allows us to, if our work schedules allows us to so yeah we do do uh we do follow hurricanes we do report on snow but not 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 really like other groups or other people do we follow the the system when it moves in we kind of get an idea based off what the national weather service says and what local meteorologists are kind of putting together because the local meteorologist, you'll have one station saying, oh, you're going to get five inches. You have another station saying, oh, you'll get three inches. And what people don't know about, don't realize about snow is that you can't pinpoint, you know, particularly down to the street level, what the inches are going to be in the snow. You, you just can't do that. You can just kind of give a blanket guess of this area could see this amount. So when we see what the National Weather Service is saying when we see what the local meteorologists are saying, we go back and we look at the models, then we send back then we stand back and go, okay, based off of everything that's on the table, we can guess with an average this is what the depth's gonna be for snowfall in this area. Which is which is what for some reason people seem to care the most about is how deep the snow is going to be and how many snowfall you know what's it going to be and you know when it comes to that as southeast storm chasers i'm not necessarily worried about how deep the snow is going to be my you know worry or my concern is how is this going to affect day-to-day life for people in the area is it going to make travel impossible is it going to make it dangerous or really hard for people to get back and forth to work um how is this going to inconvenience people can they get to work can they get to school can they get to the grocery store or something you know how is this going to affect them how dangerous is this going to make them uh their life you know when it comes to travel uh when it comes to snow i'm looking at especially in our area it's more ice than it is snow so i'm looking at okay if we get this much ice how much weight is that going to be putting on the tree limbs how many trees is going to be coming down across the road? How many trees are going to be falling on power lines? How many, how much power, how many people are going to be losing power during this? That's what I'm looking at more than how deep the snow is going to be. So uh, that's 
I mean, we don't really focus that much on snow, but when we do, we're more focused on the effect of it than what and then than how deep it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree. That is uh, the biggest concern when it comes to snowfall around here. And you know, here at the Weather Guys, uh, we cover as much about the weather as we possibly can. Um, I'm not going to go into all those details because you guys pretty much know it. Uh, you know, we do uh, broader things. Uh, we have a broader area of coverage. Um, we don't just cover, like, say, the upstate of South Carolina, but you know, that's where the Weather Guys is located. Um, but we, you know, we cover Northeast Georgia. Um, all of North Carolina and uh, all of South Carolina and uh, a little bit of Tennessee from time to time. But and, and the coast, of course, especially during hurricane season. But it's he's absolutely right. You know, when it comes to um, rainfall or snow, you know, nobody cares how much rain we're going to get unless there's a flood warning or a flood problem. And then, you know, when it comes to snowfall around here, you know, we just don't get the snow like uh, other other uh, places get it and so the people will get so excited to hear about snow and they're like how much am i gonna get my house i'm telling you he's right you street level knowing or location based knowing we will never know we can just guesstimate and give you the best outcome just by using what national weather service and local meteorologists have said and um something i want to just uh touch base on with what the southeastern storm chasers do is um from my experience of working with them is uh I can say without a shadow of a doubt, Chris Rushing, the owner, I could put my life in his hands and I feel safe anytime we go out storm chasing. Um, he's he's very smart, he's uh, he's very eclectic, and he's very he's very detailed about what he wants to do. You know, you can't really argue with him too much. And he uh, he's like, we got to do this. We're going this way, and I'm like, yes, sir. Let's do it. Let's go get some uh, some pictures and videos. But there have been a couple times where I made a bad decision about where we wanted to go to storm chase, and that's a that's an interesting thing you know um with us we're not paid um or certified meteorologists this is a freelance um is the best term i can think of and we've uh, taught ourselves everything we know from books and classes and courses and and just talking you know back and forth to each other chris is also a part of our uh, our team and when i say he's a part of the weather guys team he um he correlates some um, information with us and we correlate information with him to help him and his team better a to have a better storm chase and so uh you know one of the most difficult things and this is coming from me chris is trying to pinpoint a good location where to go storm spot and um storm chase and sometimes i'm right sometimes i'm wrong and from now on i'm gonna say this chris i'm gonna start listening to you more <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean, I don't want to say I'm right all the time because God, you know, Lord knows I'm not. I really don't know what it is, but when I look at the the weather models and I'm watching the storm come in, as you know, depending on if it's coming in through Texas, through Dixie Alley, coming up through South Carolina, up the I-85 corridor, or is it coming over the mountains? You know, when I'm watching these systems and I'm watching what they're doing, then I go and I look and say, okay, what? generally has happened when storms come up through this area do they die out do they build if so where do they die out at where do they build at do they back build and i've one thing i've noticed and it's and it's funny when storms come up through the i-85 corridor and come into uh, york county uh, cleveland county north carolina gaston county north carolina the storms seem to die they co they come over gaston county you know Cleveland County and they die but then when they get past those two counties and get right on the edge of Mecklenburg Gaston County where the city of Belmont is 
It's like they backbuild and they strengthen, and boom, they drop a tornado every single time. And and so when you start noticing patterns, you start learning where you need to set up. One thing I've noticed about the South Carolina area is Greenville, Spartanburg gets their share of storms. But what I've noticed is Traveler's Rest, Fountain Inn, that's usually where a lot of the heavier storms seem to set up. Uh, if they don't set up there, then they usually kind of just meander through those areas and then back build and strengthen around the Lowry, the Lowry McConnell area, Rock Hill, Columbia, in that area. So just just basing that you know experience and information, looking at the models and then just a gut feeling, you kind of figure out where you need to be to see the worst of the storms and to be in a good position to report on these storms as they happen. Oh yeah, that's right, and that's a that's a good thing. Basically, everyone, what he's saying is is um he he's looking for a pattern over you know the last several years of storms that he's experienced and watched on radar and whatnot, form and die, form and die, and and uh, that pattern indicates to him where he would like to go, like a general area, and um, it just just by listening to him just now kind of seems like he already knows what to do and where to go and that's one of the uh to me one of the most difficult things to do when it comes to storm chasing because um you know we're looking for that rotating wall cloud we're looking we're not going to say we're hoping for it because we're not hoping for a tornado to come but for us to get any footage or to let you know pictures and let you guys know what's going on that has to happen for us to to have any valid information because you know, whenever we're going through a storm, it may be rotating, but it may not drop a tornado. But I'm going to tell you, it may drop golf ball to baseball to softball size hail. And that's that's reportable, you know, and, it, you know, heavy rain and flooding, you know, all of those things are still reportable. So it's not like we're destitute to try to find a tornado, but that's our goal. Well, and, and you know, Chris, you know, so many people, they 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 focus on tornadoes, you know, during the storm season, the spring and summer. As well as they as they should, but one thing they need to realize is that there's there's another phenomenon in weather that's just as bad as a tornado. And I mentioned it earlier, and it's called a a downburst. And you got two different types of downburst. You have a micro, you know, a smaller area, and a macro, M A C R O, macro burst, which is larger. And pretty much what happens is, is this pressure just builds up in the atmosphere, kind of like a balloon. And when it reaches its capacity, it busts and it just comes straight down to the ground, hits the ground with all this wind, all this rain, just hits the ground. And when it hits the ground, it just spreads out in all directions. And it can happen at category two, category three hurricane force winds. I mean, you can, I mean, you can see up to 120 mile an hour winds with these downbursts uh we had one just right up the road from my house in a little little town called high shoals and man we went up there just to kind of see the damage and it looked like a category it looked like an ef3 went through there i mean just houses are just roofs are destroyed trees big oak trees pine trees everything's just leveled roads impassable i mean it just leveled this little area where this downburst happened and this wasn't even a macro. This was the, a microburst, you know, the smaller ones. And it just leveled everything. And it just really made me go, wow. It made me respect 
downburst just as much as I would respect a tornado. And with that, let's take another short break. Speaking of respect for weather, uh, a little short story about me. Um, not, um, I was sitting out on my porch. Um, I have a covered porch, and uh, when storms come by, I have a good little spot where it has a good little vantage point um, with some scenery, and I, I like to record videos um, when storms come through there. Anyway, um, I was getting ready to go to the beach, and uh, there was a, a nice good old thunderstorm coming in. So I was like, oh, good. I'm going to record, try to catch me some lightning strikes. I'm sitting there, and I'm recording the storm, and my neighbors uh, were coming back from hunting, I think, and um, one was in a truck, and one was riding on a four-wheeler, and they were coming down our main road. I mean, I caught it on on film, it, a lightning strike, literally after, you know, I did some research, about two miles away struck, and it was so loud that my arm hairs and my hair, like, were standing up, and I couldn't breathe good. It was like... It, the pressure in the air just was, uh, it, it scared the ever-loving crap out of me. And so I'm still sitting there recording, and I'm watching my neighbors trying to come back to their house and get in the house, you know, to get away from the storm. The guy on the four-wheeler is trying to park it and get off, and another lightning strike, pow, directly behind us that was only about a mile and a half down the road, just as loud. And when I heard those, I'm telling you right now, I have a brand-new, brand-spanking-new respect for weather when it comes to that and uh then you know then of course just recently these uh three supercell storms that came through here they came directly over my house at all three of them and i had to go in the bathroom and get my animals and put them in the bathroom and it was uh, it was it was at nighttime and it was uh you know i'm very weather aware obviously i i study the weather and um i was talking to a friend and um they told me they said that you know one of the reasons why that you might have been a little bit scared about this situation is because you know so much about what was coming. It was, uh, I'm telling you, I have a very newfound respect for weather and it's, it's, it's something that it fascinates me to this day still. And it just makes me want to continue to study it and get better at it. So with that being said, Chris, let me, uh, let's, uh, ask the, well, excuse me, let's tell the followers. Um, I want to hear from your um, perspective. Tell us what, makes a thunderstorm um what do you need to have tornadoes what do you need to have these you know supercells that come across these areas that we don't typically see tell us the ingredients and things that we need well basically you, you need a, a a few different things you uh you need uh instability uh you need uh an updraft you need you know you need lift uh, there's different. I mean, there's many different things you need for uh, a tornado to happen. Basically, you know, everybody knows that a tornado is basically just a rapidly rotating column of air that's in contact with both the surface of the Earth and uh, a cumulonimbus cloud. I want to interrupt um, you for one second. Um, utilize the word slim, shear, lift, instability, and moisture. Go ahead. Exactly. Uh, I mean, you need these. It's kind of like a cake. And, you know, when you're talking about tornado watches and tornado warnings, you know, you got to think of like a cake. Uh, a tornado watch is, 
okay, I've got the ingredients together to make a cake on the counter. You know, I've got all these different things. Uh, so it's a tornado watch. I've got my ingredients. Tornado warning is I've took those ingredients and I've put them in a bowl and I've mixed them up. And now I've got myself a cake. I've got the stuff to, to, to make the tornado. It's there and it's mixed and it's going and it's ready to go. Thunderstorms is basically just instability in the atmosphere. And, and when you have a thunderstorm, you got the simplest way that I could put it without getting scientific and, I, and throwing all these words in there that some people probably wouldn't understand or know what they mean. Basically, when you get a thunderstorm, the atmosphere is unbalanced. It's unstable. So Mother Nature's way of creating balance back in the atmosphere is thunderstorm. After a thunderstorm happens, the balance in our atmosphere is restored. It's the same thing with a tornado. The atmosphere gets extremely imbalanced, extremely unstable. Thunderstorms are not balancing out. So then a tornado forms and it balances everything out back in our atmosphere. Um, it's a perfect cycle of balance and imbalance. Thunderstorms are necessary. I, I hate to put it that way, but they're necessary to restore the balance in our environment that we live in. And he's absolutely right. Um, um, I've always, uh, that's the first thing I ever learned about weather and thunderstorms. I don't know if I read it out of a book or if um, my teammate Larry told me when I was a kid. Either way, um, I learned that um, storms, any kind of storms, um, the scientific word of a storm is a low pressure. Um, and uh, low pressures can move over land and over water. They, they just move across the earth. You have high pressure, low pressure, but we're not going into a class. When a low pressure or a storm is so strong, that means the imbalance in the atmosphere is extreme. And when that happens, it causes severe weather. And uh, those severe weather storms can just either be your typical garden variety storms, or they could be intense where they produce multiple, multiple tornadoes and, and, and hail and wind damage events. To get back on uh, topic with uh, the Southeastern Storm Chasers is uh, that's what they, that's why Chris developed the page and the group um, because it's about keeping all of you guys safe and weather aware. And, you know, he's putting his neck out on the line. And like I said, you know, I'm not trying to get money from this, but we're doing this for free mm -hmm. um, because, mm -hmm. because we enjoy it. It's not because somebody told us to we enjoy it and it's a passion and it's that's the best that you can get from someone when you're passionate about something because you're going to get the best of the best and you have no you really don't have any limitations you know chris one, one of the things i wanted to, to, to just add to the for the listeners uh who may not you know be as savvy in weather knowledge or weather terminology uh, getting back to your question about tornadoes and what makes them form. If, if people just remember the acronym SLIM, uh, it will help them understand what causes tornadoes to form. And what that pretty much SLIM, what that stands for is shear or wind going in different directions at different heights. Uh, you need lift or an updraft. You need something to lift that partial of air up into the atmosphere. You need instability and you need moisture. So if you just remember the acronym SLIM, Shear, Lift, Instability, Moisture, you will remember the ingredients needed for a tornado to, to form. He's right. Um, something that's interesting around here, um, a couple of our local meteorologists um, around here in the upstate and um, in western North Carolina as well, 
um, have decided to, you know, use Facebook and Twitter and things like that to talk to their their uh, their followers a lot better, a little more scientifically, uh, because a um, a meteorologist, as you guys have learned um, that I've interviewed, they've only got about three minutes tops to tell you about the weather on the TV, and that's it. And the only only other time that they have a chance to tell you more is if there is a tornado warning or some type of warning where they can cut in on your um, broadcast um, and tell you about it. But the interesting thing here is, is um, if you pay attention to your local meteorologists more on their Facebook feeds and things like that, where they have a chance to talk to you more, you'll hear them talking about the same things that we're talking about here. And um, one of the biggest things around here that I've been seeing from our local um meteorologists is tornado ingredients and they show you they're showing you a model that that has different things that that we know about um but that's all that matters that's all that matters is for you to be able to watch them and know what it is so slim shear lift instability moisture moisture obviously equals rain instability is what we like to call cape um and that's what they call thunderstorm fuel and that um, helps to fuel the thunderstorm, make it a, uh, you know, bulk it up. Then you have uh, the lift, and the lift is what, like he says, what causes the updraft. And updrafts also create hail. It um, it just slings that water all the way up to the top of the cloud, and then slings it right back down on the ground, and doesn't have a, a chance to unfreeze, and it becomes hail. And then you know, when you have hail in a storm, if you have a big hail core in a storm, that is calls for concern of rotation possibly somewhere near that storm cell that's what we like to look for when we're chasing is uh where's the hail at where's the hail and uh whenever we see that we obviously want to try to stay away from it because you know it's damaged Um, but at the same token sometimes you can't get away from it because sometimes around here like in the southeast it's rain wrapped, and when we say rain wrapped, I'm going to change that to moisture wrapped, um, because hail is considered moisture, and when it's spinning around, it's going to spin that hail around too. So, the hail core may be a part of the tornado. You know, you you, you said something that um, I had you know that goes along with what I was about to say. We we had I had someone ask me uh, not too long ago. You know, well, what does a storm chaser or a storm spotter. What what do y'all look for when you're trying when you're out and you're doing your thing? What do you look for when you're trying to identify, you know, uh, you know, where a tornado is or what's a dangerous storm? What do you look for, Chris? And and you know, the first thing I look for is I look for my inflow bands. I look to see if the you know the inflow and what those are. Those are just like ragged bands of low cumulus clouds that that extend from the main storm line uh, or storm tower. And it's usually southeast or south of the main storm. Uh, the presence of this inflow band, what it does is it suggests that the storm is, is gathering a low-level air from several, several miles away from the main storm. Uh, and so, so when I'm looking at that, if I see that the inflow bands have a spiraling nature to them, uh, it suggests that, to me, the presence of rotation. Uh, the second thing that I look for is... Um, you know, and I've talked to you about this before. Uh, matter of fact, I even mentioned it in this last chase that me and you did. Uh, it's, it's a thing, it's a little, just a nickname that storm chasers use called the beaver's tail. And what that is, it's like a smooth, like flat cloud band extending from the eastern edge of, of the rain-free base of the storm. And it, it's usually like, it's usually east to northeast. 
and it skirts around the south southern edge of the precipitation area or the rain and it's just also it also suggests the presence of rotation of course you didn't like you said you got the royal cloud um which is an isolated like cloud lowering attached to the rain-free base of a thunderstorm uh, a lot of people have probably seen these driving down the highway and the wall cloud is usually in, to the rear of the rain area and so you know when a wall cloud you know and wall clouds that produce a tornado can exist for 10 to 20 minutes before a tornado even appears uh but not always you know not all wall clouds produce tornadoes and that's something that a lot of scientists and meteorologists are trying to figure out why some wall clouds produce tornadoes and others don't and then of course you know you know you look for the rear flanking downdraft uh, of a storm that's one of the things i look for um what the rfd is uh, basically for people who don't understand it's just like like a downward rush of air on the back side of the storm and what that does is it descends along with the tornado uh, the rfd looks like a clear slot uh, on the storm and it's usually just to the rear or southwest of the wall cloud and so those are the things um and you know the rfd when you look at it on radar that's that hook feature that, that you hear so many people talk about when a tornado is formed uh that's you know when you see that hook that's our rfd that rear flanking downdraft these are just some of the things that when i'm out and i'm spotting that i'm looking for visually because on game day or the day of the storm you can watch the radar and look at it closely the models are no longer agglable those are gone you're not even paying attention to those you're watching radar but you're mainly you're watching the sky your eyes are on the sky to see what's going on the sky will tell you more about what's going on than the radar will yeah he's he's right and uh um i was going to say the same thing there um you know when you're looking at radar um whenever you see radar on television or on your phone on an app or anything like that if it looks like it's got a nice little uh fish hook to it if you're in that area get in your safe place immediately but it's uh yes he's right we uh we definitely look for the hook um we're looking for um the reflecting downdraft um we're you know like i said and he said our eyes to the sky are the best um but when it comes to actual storm chasing um it's always best to have a little bit more people on your team you know the more the merrier but the, also the more means more people in danger but um you know in a perfect world if you have a, um, a vehicle that can seat four people, I would say four people would be a great choice at doing a tornado chase because you've got your driver and that's his main job. He's driving. And then you've got your navigator and radar person. And then you've got someone taking pictures and phoning in National Weather Service stuff, which all of us could do that, but still. And then you've got that extra person that can help do whatever else is needed. Um, and uh, when it comes to that, you know, when you – Two heads is better than one. Well, of course, four heads is better than one. And then, of course, four times two is eight eyes are better than just two eyes. We all, you know, obviously the people that would be in the vehicle would all be weather savvy, weather aware, and know what we're looking for. And uh, and we're all got some kind of radar in front of us. So, you know. And, and, and you know, and two things that if, if someone's out there that's aspiring to do this, be very educated before you even do your first chase. And when you do your first chase, go out with someone that's experienced, that, that's been doing it a while, that knows what they're doing. 
don't just take the sky one spotter class think you know everything and jump in the car because you get yourself in a very bad situation there's a thing called a spotter network you can go online take their test get a part of that and what that does is the different radars like radar scope gr2 gr analyst uh what that does is it throws a dot you're pretty much a g it's your gps location on that map so other people who's watching this storm and looking on radar scope or whatever, they can see, hey, Chris Sherbert is located right here. This is where he's at. If I lose communications with him, this was his last known position, and people know where to go to find you if they can't get a hold of you or something has happened. So always make sure people know where you're at. And secondly, if you find yourself in a position where you do see a tornado and you're spotting it and you're reporting it, be very aware of that RFD. Be very aware. There's been so many storm chasers who got caught in that rear flanking downdraft. That's had their windows blown out and their cars flipped. There's a like a nickname for that. It's called the ghost train. When you look at the very bottom of the tornado, it's it's in behind the tornado. You know where. Like if the tornado is going north, it's right in behind it towards the south. And it's it, it looks just like a ghost train. It's just this misty wind that's real low level to the ground, very high winds. It can flip your car. There's been many storm chasers that had their windows blown out. There's been storm chasers injured by this RFD, you know, that has been nicknamed the ghost train. So when you're spotting these things and you're out and you're watching be very aware of where you're at because even though the tornado may have passed you and be ahead of you, that rear flanking downdraft that's behind it, that wind that's behind it, could catch you and, and cause just as much damage and harm to you as the tornado can. So that's something that you really need to make sure that you know what it is and where it's at at all times when you're spotting or chasing. And with that, let's take a short break. Chris, uh, let's do this. Uh, run us through a um, a day, a game day. Um, let, uh, run us through, um, you know, leading up to game day, which is uh, you know the storm chase day. Um, lead us, tell us what your processes are from let's say beginning of the week until the day of the storm. Oh Lord, uh, I start off, uh, you know, when I know that they're calling for bad weather, and, I, and I'm getting the word from the SPC. I start looking at what my my threat level is you know is it marginal is it enhanced is it slight is it a mdt or moderate day or is it a moderate risk is or is it a high risk so i started looking at those and then i start off with the uh, gfs model though which is the long range model just looking at the future cast sim, re- sim reflectivity just seeing kind of getting an idea of the track the storm is going to take I start looking at dew points, making sure my dew points are in the right air, in the right levels, you know, which is around 56, I think it is, degree. I think it's around 56. If dew points are around 56 or higher, then I say, okay, the moisture's there. Then I start looking at my, at my instability, you know, my cape. If my cape is around, for me, uh, you know, which is it's, it's kind of changed these last few storms. I used to like to see 2,000 joules of, of instability or cape. 
now with these last few little bit of storms that's come through this year, I've um if if I'm seeing twelve hundred or even a thousand joules of cape or energy in a, in an area, and I'm seeing high wind shear, you know of you know anywhere from like fifty miles an hour and higher, especially if I'm seeing them in extreme levels of like ninety miles an hour of wind shear in the upper atmosphere and mid levels, if I'm seeing that then the low cape tells me, okay, we've got low cape, but we got high shear, high dew points. We may have something. So I start watching that as it develops. As time goes on, I switch models. As it gets closer to time, I switch over to the NAM or the RAP models. I start looking at uh, updraft, uh, helicity, the, um, the tornado parameters. I start really looking at my numbers. Are they changing? Are the numbers getting for my wind shear in the cape? Are they getting lower or are they getting higher or are they staying the same? I start really looking at the rotation of my wind shear with elevation, starting at the surface level, going up to the higher elevation, especially around the mid-levels. You know, or how fast is the wind blowing and are they changing in direction? Am I seeing a twist around the low to mid-level areas? Then on game day, I, I switch to radar. And I switch over to the GOES, uh, the GOES East satellite. And pretty much what I'm doing is as the storm is coming into the area, I'm looking for those, what the best way to describe it is that popcorn looking field of cumulus clouds that's really exploding in the atmosphere. I'm, I'm looking at that on the GOES satellite and comparing it to radar. And I'm looking at those areas of that's 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 popping off on the day of the storm and i'm comparing it to the post the previous models are they matching up to the previous models is the models matching up to what's going on right now i'm looking at the um helicity swaths and seeing where the most unstable area is that these storms are going to be going into because if i see a very stable area and I know that that storm's going to be going in that very stable area. That storm more than likely is going to die out. But if I see it moving into a very unstable area with a lot of it, you know, jewels, a lot of uh, wind shear, a lot of moisture, helicity swath is insane. If I'm seeing that the that the storm is getting ready to move into that area, and the ghost satellites telling me, "Whoa, check out these areas of this pop. Look at this popcorn field of cumulus clouds." Then I'm like, okay, that's the area I need to focus on. That's the area that's probably going to go tornado warned in the next few minutes, few hours or so. So that's pretty much kind of my 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 game plan of how I do things. Uh, I mean, there's a few other things that I kind of go that I really look at as far as parameters and different things. But for the sake of time, I'm not really going to go into that. But that's my like the basic thing that I do. When I'm getting ready to track a storm or when I'm tracking the storm, getting ready for game day. Well, that is exciting um, because uh, that is the, exactly what um, we do here at the Weather Guys. Um, we are, um, you know, we're constantly uh, looking out for storms left and right, looking for any type of information to let you guys know as early as possible because that's one of our, uh, that's one of our mottos is uh, the Weather Guys, we're here to keep you ahead of the storm. And it sounds like, Southeastern Storm Chasers are doing the same thing. With that being said, uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, say our goodbyes for the evening. Uh, let everyone know this, Chris. Um, what do you have going on in your life? How can you, well, excuse me, how can the followers stay weather aware? 
Right now, uh, with the Southeastern Storm Chasers, we are in the process of uh, upgrading our chase vehicle, uh, adding a few more things uh, to the vehicle to help us in our chase. Weather stations, backup batteries, uh, power stations, things like that to really just aid us in our, our chase days. And, you know, that's pretty much that. And uh, we're looking at upgrading a few of our softwares for our radars and, and, and things like that. Um, so that's pretty much what we are got going on right now. We are, are in the process of interviewing some people for a open slot that we have decided to open, which is a big announcement for us that, that we are looking to add one more person. Uh, so there's actually just one slot. So there's... We're looking to add one more person to the storm team, uh, Southeastern Storm Chasers. So that's one, you know, that's pretty much what we got going on right now. People want to be in contact with us. We're on Facebook, Southeastern Storm Chasers. We're on Instagram under the same name. Uh, we're on uh, Twitter. So they, those are the three platforms that they can reach us on, uh, contact us on, follow us on, you know, get information on weather in the Carolinas, which is where we're at. If you're in that area and you're wanting information on what the weather is going to be like in the Carolinas, you can go to, you know, the, one of those social media platforms. Also, I highly encourage people, go to the Storm Prediction Center. Go to the Weather Prediction Center. Go to the National Hurricane Center. Go to the National Weather Service. Go to these pages. They have got an incredible amount of database and knowledge and educational you know, things that you can go in and read and do and learn about weather, um, especially, uh, in, you know, when you get to the local area, there's so much knowledge for the public that they can read about weather in our area. So go to those websites, check them out um, to, to help you stay weather aware. Also, you can check us out anytime that we got severe weather, uh, hurricane warnings, snow, flash flooding, you know, just whatever, you know, you can go to our page. And we'll be doing our best uh, to keep those things uh, current and up to date as best as we possibly can. So that's pretty much what we got going on. And that's how people can get in contact with us and stay weather aware. Absolutely. Um, I want to thank uh, Chris Rushing uh, from the Southeastern Storm Chasers, one of my great, good, closest friends, for joining us today on the Weather Guys Podcast Hour. And excited to uh say that here's to some more storm chases with each other um can't wait to see your new team member whenever you get that ball rolling i hope there's no more tornadoes because uh right now this is the most tornadoes that the southeast has seen in a very long time and absolutely and if you remember if you remember correctly chris about i think it was a year or so ago i told you i'd read an article from a uh, scientist from NOAA who said that he felt like the tornado alley, which is Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas, was going to begin a slight shift towards the East Coast in the next coming years. And with this year, we're having so many tornadoes in the South Carolina, Alabama, North Carolina, Tennessee. I'm, I'm starting to wonder if, there, if this guy from NOAA was was really seeing something that a lot of other people wasn't seeing. Well, you know, something that's interesting, um, I'm, I hate that you brought that up because it's just funny because it just makes me want to keep talking, but there is a Tornado Alley, there is a Dixie Alley, and there is now a Carolina Alley, uh, more or less, for better lack of words. But I agree with that because of our weather patterns and how everything has seemed to, 
you know, it's not as volatile in Tornado Alley as it has, you know, as it normally is. You know, the United States alone in Tornado Alley in previous years has had the most tornadoes ever recorded on Earth. That has a lot to do with uh, dry line, gulf, moisture, you know, cold and warm air, blah, blah, blah. But that has now shifted, that that gulf warm air and the cold air has now shifted a little bit more towards uh, the southeastern United States, which would be uh, Dixie Alley and a Carolina Alley. Um, Carolina Alley would be North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. And, uh, and uh, Dixie Alley is, you know, it's still you know, Alabama, Louisiana, Tennessee, and things like that. And these stronger storms that are typically over Tornado Alley have now definitely shifted. And that's the biggest concern when it comes to weather and storm chasing is that we're moving in, you know, these storms are moving into an area that is very, very unfavorable for spotting and, you know, knowing what's coming and a bigger populated area too. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you very much, Chris Rushing from the Southeastern Storm Chasers for joining us this evening on the Weather Guys Podcast Hour. Thank you for having me. Can't wait for a next one, and I can't wait for the next storm, buddy. Yes, sir. You have a wonderful evening, and I wish everybody out there a safe uh, rest of the week. And that concludes the Weather Guys Podcast Hour, episode number 14. Thank you again to Chris Rushing and the Southeastern Storm Chasers. Make sure you go check him out on his Facebook. Just search Southeastern Storm Chasers. Also check him out on Twitter and his Instagram. We also want to do a quick reminder to remind everyone to make sure you check us out on Facebook.com, The Weather Guys. Check us out at Twitter, WX underscore guys. Our new Instagram page, just search The Weather Guys. And make sure you continue to follow us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple iTunes, and Google Play. We all know what's next. As always, stay weather aware.